Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today is Monday. It is July 20th. Uh, thank you for taking a few moments out of your day uh, to join together for a psalm and a study and reflection. Uh, July 20th always is marked in my mind as the anniversary of uh, Neil Armstrong's Walking on the Moon, July 20th, 1969, 51 years ago. So one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Uh, let's dive into our morning psalm. It's Psalm 80, and this one tells us that it's for the director of music to the tune of The Lilies of the Covenant. I wonder what that tune sounded like. This is a psalm of Asaph, so not of David, but a psalm of Asaph. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its boughs to the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and the creatures of the field feed on it. Return to us, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire, at your rebuke your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you, Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. Psalm 80. The context would be uh, the, probably, most likely the destruction of Jerusalem. The uh, the image of Israel as a vine being planted, so God taking Israel out of Egypt, clearing the ground, planting it in, uh, planting, uh, I'm sorry, planting Israel in uh, the uh, promised land, and then it grows and is fruitful, and then all of a sudden the protection is taken away, and others of the surrounding nations come and uh, pick over it, and so it's a kind of a metaphor, it's a, it's a word picture there of the destruction of Israel. And then this threefold crying out, uh, restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. 
And so the second time, restore us, O God Almighty. The third time, restore us, O Lord God Almighty. So it's a threefold appeal to restore, cause your face to shine, that we may be saved. And so there's that context of the rescue from enemies and then the restoration. So restoring them to the land, restoring their glory, restoring their fortunes. Um, and, and so that would be the picture of, of salvation. Uh, it's a great prayer uh, to offer, uh, to kind of take upon our own. Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. And so may that be true for us uh, today, uh, this season of life with all of its strange goings on and how we're walking through this. Um, it's a prayer uh, for all generations. Okay, last week we talked Theology 201, Salvation, what it is and what it isn't. And so Theology 202, I'd like to call this one Salvation and the Cross of Jesus. Um, there's a lot of aspects to um, the salvation of, of Jesus Christ, but, but I want to focus in on on the cross. So, now, however else Jesus is presented in Scripture, he is clearly presented as the Savior. Okay, so we've been talking about salvation. Salvation, there is a Savior. Okay, and so God raises up individuals, and so we see that foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Moses is somewhat of a Savior. He, he delivers uh, God's people out of uh, Egyptian slavery, the Exodus event. Joshua is somewhat of a deliverer, Savior, as he leads the people into the Promised Land. During the time of the judges, prior to having a king, um, the, judge, the judge, we picture a judge in a black robe with a gavel uh, sitting up on a bench. No, it's that the judges were the ones that God raised up to deliver. They, they were really military figures. Uh, to save or to deliver Israel from their surrounding enemies. Then the king, okay, eventually kings are um, appointed, and so Saul, then David, then Solomon, and then the, the kingdom divides. But the king is seen somewhat as the savior, the protector, defender, deliverer uh, against the enemies. And so, however else <coughs> Jesus is presented, he's presented as a savior, that's the language of Jesus. Um, we see him as a teacher. We see him as a miracle worker. We see him as a good shepherd, a moral exemplar, a friend to all, as a liberator, a justice warrior, etc. And, and all, those, all that language is not in the scripture, but that's how people see Jesus, as a good moral teacher, along with many other leaders of world religions. They don't see him separately. They see him as a moral teacher, as a moral exemplar. Some see Jesus as a kind of the, the, the man who liberates, okay? And so kind of liberation theology, I think it's an it's a, uh, erroneous view of the scripture, but see Jesus strictly in terms of social justice. And so uh, the, the scripture is very clear. So the, the Christmas story that we're so familiar with to you this day is born in Bethlehem a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. So Messiah the Lord. And so the angels announced to the shepherds uh, that a Savior has been born. 
the name of Jesus itself reveals his mission and his destiny as one who saves. And so, um, the angel announcing to Joseph uh, that Mary is with child, his, you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's in Matthew chapter 1. Um, in Luke's gospel, uh, in the, the story where um, the angel Gabriel comes uh, and speaks to Mary, and then also uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, so they're uh, her cousins, Mary's cousins. And so uh, he has raised up a mighty Savior. Okay, so Luke chapter 1. There's also language there about fulfilling the promise to Abraham and the, and the covenant. Um, the book of Acts, as the early church begins to preach, there was no other name under heaven by which men are saved than the name of Jesus. Okay? And so, there's no other name by which uh, people are saved. And then, uh, Paul writes, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Okay? And so, there's this language both from his birth, the announcing of his birth, uh, throughout Jesus is understood to be a savior. The name Jesus is a form of the name Joshua, which is really um, a form of Yeshua. So Yeshua is, is really what stands behind it. It means God saves. So the name itself, Jesus, tells us what his destiny is. And, and often um, names in the Bible speak of destiny or purpose or some event. So Abram, father, Abraham, father of many peoples, okay? Jacob, grasper. Israel, one who strives or wrestles with God and overcomes. Um, Ichabod, uh, the glorious departed. So, so uh, he's one of the sons of uh, born of one sons of Eli. And so, the name of Jesus tells us that he's, what his mission is. Okay? So I think it's one of stress. We, we're just so familiar with the name of Jesus, we forget that the, the name itself is announcing the purpose. Jesus comes to save. And so the question that we want to explore this week, very simply, is, how does Jesus save us? And I put here, duh. Well, how does Jesus save? Well, everybody knows that. Well, he dies on the cross. Okay. I, I accept that. Yes. And so, how does Jesus save us? So he comes to be the Savior. He is a good shepherd. He is a moral exemplar. He is these things. Uh, maybe I'll question the, the liberator, justice warrior. I think Jesus gets, you know, is being, um, it's being pulled into into another um, expression that I, I'm not 100% sure I would support that. <laughs> I'll just say it that way for now. Um, but we talk about Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. But what, what I don't, I think we're so familiar with the language of the name of Jesus, we forget that it tells us salvation. So it's as if, and his name shall be called salvation. 
oh, that's different. That, that's, that's what's going on. When the angel announces, and you shall name him salvation, <laughs> because he will save his people. And so Jesus means Savior. It means salvation. And, and, and we're so you saying Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Um, we're, it's in our hymns. It's in our liturgy. But we're so familiar with it, I think we may have lost connection with it. <laughs> Which doesn't mean we're not saved. But, but to, to, under, to grasp how does Jesus save us? Well, done. He saves by the cross. Get over it, okay? That's easy. Let's move on to Theology 203 now, okay? Jesus saves through the cross. Why? Why this way? Why did God choose this means for accomplishing the salvation of his covenant people? God could have just spoken the word, just like Jesus spoke the world word sometimes and people were healed. Why didn't God just speak the word and salvation is accomplished? Why the cross? Hmm. That's what I want to explore. To do an extended reflection of the cross when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, we sing. What happened at the cross that rescues and restores us? If we take salvation as rescue from enemy, restoration or healing, okay? So what is going on at the cross of Jesus and why the cross? It, it seems such an... If, if, if we stop, we're so used to it, we don't think of it. Why, how does Jesus save? Well, he dies on the cross and rises from the dead and let's move on. Why? And so this is going to be a deep dive on the cross and what the cross reveals about the need of the human family and what it reveals about the heart of God, okay? And so there's something about the cross itself. Um, the Apostle Paul, writing to uh, the church at Corinth uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, I resolve to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, he says a few more things than that, okay? But, but it's an emphatic declaration by the Apostle Paul. There's nothing more important than understanding the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That is central to understanding God. It is central to understanding salvation. Um... It, 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 it's at the heart of God's plan, God's purpose. And so we, we've talked, you know, the old covenant, new covenant, and how there's a foreshadowing and then a fulfillment. And there is that, um, that incident in Genesis chapter 22 where God asks Abraham or commands Abraham to go to Mount Moriah and to take his beloved son, his only son, Isaac, the, the child they waited 25 years for, and to offer him as a sacrifice. And, and so Abram believed God, took God at his word. That's what belief means, to take God at his word and then to act accordingly. Okay, okay, God, if you say so. 
And so he takes Isaac up and they creates the place and puts the, Isaac's carrying the, the, the firewood itself. And then they put, Father, where is the sacrifice? God will provide the sacrifice. And just as Abram's you know, ready to plunge the, the knife into his son, he looks aside and there is the sacrifice caught in the thicket. The ram is caught in the thicket and there is the sacrifice. A foreshadowing of God allowing his own beloved son to be sacrificed. The interesting thing, Mount Moriah, uh, there's another incident where uh, David um, decides to take a census of the people that, that angers God because David's becoming a little puffed up like he's somehow important. Look at all the people that I'm in charge of. And um, God sends <laughs> God sends uh, a, a pestilence upon uh, the, uh, the people. And so David goes and purchases a threshing floor. Uh, Aruna is the guy's name. And he purchases the threshing for us where they would throw the grain up in the air and the wheat from the chaff would be. And there he offers a sacrifice. That threshing place of Aruna is also Mount Moriah. It's the same place. The scripture says that. Oh, wait, there's more. That's where the temple ends up getting built in Jerusalem. On that same spot. So this place of sacrifice, foreshadowing all the way back with, uh, with uh, Abraham and Isaac, and then a sacrifice that, that, that turns aside God's wrath during the time of David on the threshing floor of Aruna, becomes the place where the, where the temple is built, where sacrifices are offered to turn aside. And then just outside, just a stone's throw from there, is where Jesus was crucified. It's a fascinating little story that the cross of Jesus ties into these other stories of deliverance or foreshadowing uh, a, a, a deliverance and a, and a salvation. And so what I want to do this week is reflect with you on salvation and the cross of Jesus. And that hopefully at the end of this week we will appreciate more fully what happened at the cross when, when Jesus offered his life for us. And that we will give thanks and we will be faithful and we will take God at his word more fully because of all that, that he has done uh, for us. And so let's take a moment to pray. Uh, with This is a bit of an introduction and then we'll dive in uh, tomorrow uh, to our study more fully. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your many gifts to us. The, the gift of a gathering yesterday in worship, though apart, still together by your grace and the power of your spirit. Thank you for your word. Lord, help us to pursue your wisdom this day. And we thank you for the wisdom revealed in Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. Help us to understand and to perceive more fully our salvation, what it cost, what it means, and how completely and thoroughly and deeply you have demonstrated your love through the cross of Jesus Christ. We pray this day for the Greenwich family, for those this day who weep 
and mourn, who've lost loved ones, uh, the Baird family, the Taylor family, the Whitelock family, uh, the Bell family, the Cole family in these recent days, and for others, Lord, for those in need of healing and restoration and strength. Lord, uh, in our families, with our children, and with our spouses, may we pursue uh, wisdom and, and, and godliness and, and hope and, and truth. Lord, in uh, the, the place where the streets are crying out, uh, the, the need for justice, the need for a cure to a virus, Lord, we pray your mercy uh, out in the streets, out in our society and in our broader world. And so as we begin this new week uh, and another journey uh, through a portion of your scripture, we pray that you would meet us, that you would strengthen us, you would deepen us in faith and hope and love as we make our prayer uh, through Jesus, our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who loves you and has demonstrated that so very clearly in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross and to give his life for you, may that God bless you and keep you this day and forevermore.